1: Canton, Ohio.
2: Hello, and welcome to another episode of the College to Canton podcast. The perfect show for any and every college football and NFL fan. I'm your host, Stephon Leco. You can find me on Twitter at Staphon LeCoe. And I'm joined by the OG, the man himself, Travis May. You can find him on Twitter at FF underscore Travis M. If you are joining us for the first time, College to Canton is a show about the journey of the best football players. And prospects from being a college football recruit all the way to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And of course, we talk about fantasy football and everything in between that, a little bit of betting here and there, but really, we're talking fantasy football. We got you covered for college, we got you covered for NFL and the transition. Um, but it is so good to be talking um, with you, Travis. And we've got another college focus episode here we're kind of checking in mid-season here um on the risers fallers a couple of freshmen maybe and underclassmen that we're excited about it's going to be a fun episode as always it is really good to talk to you uh this time you know you're back at home not not sitting in that huge office so uh yeah man how yeah. you doing life's been crazy for you i'm sure but uh, man, mean it's always good to sit down and talk sit down and talk a little football with you
1: yeah man it's been an adventure over the past few weeks just uh figuring out new uh a new job and uh just traveling a couple of times to New York City for product launch for Mojo just getting everything uh, off the ground and running there for the college football side of things uh you know the first college football stock market so it's been pretty cool to see people really diving in and just loving uh interacting with that and and just going all in like there've been some crazy I mean I can I don't think I can even technically talk about it but it's been it's been some it's been crazy to see like the, the confidence that some of these people have in some of these college quarterbacks, man. It's uh, it. like anytime, anytime, like some big order comes in, I let somebody else on the, on like the team know like, man, this just came in on so-and-so. They're like, Oh my gosh, that better be their mom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, it'll be <laughs> fun, fun to just see how that continues to grow and expands. And uh, uh, you know, I mean, it'd be cool to see if like that kind of integrates um, or makes its way into conversations for fantasy football it's like well the motor, the mojo value is like so and so like I, I really hope it gets to that point because um i feel like what we have what we have is really cool and and it really has true value um outside of just fantasy space and things like that so yeah wow. man it's been fun just creating something from from scratch and uh um and then seeing it go go to work uh, it's an amazing team just uh that made it possible so but uh, glad to kind of be, you know, starting to, you know, just get back to normal and getting into some kind of routine with it so I can actually, you know, have our normal night to record with you where I'm not uh, traveling or something weird.
2: Right. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to hopefully it, it, it coming to the great state of Colorado. I feel like, you know, we're fairly progressive here. Give it to us. Like, we're ready for it. I mean, I'm not ready for it at all. I was, I, I'm going uh, to need to, to really look and see what I'm doing before I just like spend all the money I have on, 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 on May. <laughs> Uh, Cause I, I love Drake May, Drake May and <laughs> yeah. uh, you will be like, I think Drake May's mom is, it, 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 it's going to be me. <laughs> it's going to be me. <laughs> Drake May's uh, mom. I didn't know she lived in Colorado. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I podcast with her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, crazy. But yeah, I love oh, Drake gosh. May and, I, and we'll, we'll get it. We'll get into him um, as, as well as some of these other great uh, underclassmen. Um, but man, I, I feel like we would be uh, remiss if we didn't start, I mean, we were just coming off of one of the best college football weekends that I can remember in a real long time. I was talking yeah. to uh, oh, uh, Matt on um, on the betting podcast. We had a guest on Colby Dant from the Sports Gambling Podcast. Go check that out. He's fantastic. Uh, but we were just talking about that Bama-Tennessee game. And man, when, when, when Dallas Turner picked up that, uh, had that scoop and score, I thought it was game over. I thought, man, Bama was down big. They came back. Now they get this big defensive touchdown, it just felt like, oh, Alabama found a way again because they always do. And, uh, man, uh, I was in New Mexico, so I couldn't live bet. And, God, I'm glad I
1: couldn't because I would have sold a farm on Alabama <laughs> after that play. Oh uh, Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I think pregame, like the money line bet just straight up with, with Tennessee – uh, range from like plus two sixty or seventy all the way up to plus three hundred, depending on the book. So you could have really. Uh, I made got it think. at two ninety. I got, I got, I got Tennessee at two ninety. That was a
2: actually that was a bet on the show that I did. So that was fun. Um, nice. But uh, yeah,
1: yeah, I would have, I sh- would have hedged. I would have hedged and went all in on Bama <laughs> and then lost. Yeah. So thank goodness you didn't. But uh, my goodness, what a what a crazy weekend, right? I mean, fifty two to forty nine. Uh, Tennessee beats Alabama first time in 15 years and throws, and Hendon Hooker throws five touchdowns to the same wide receiver. Six <laughs> catches, five of them <laughs> touchdowns. I mean, get out of here. Uh, it's, ins- I mean, it's just nuts. So to see, see that happen. And really there was so many matchups like marquee matchups that uh, were just, just crazy score fest like the USC Utah game. What did uh, you think of that two point conversion? Uh, you know, honestly, that was that surprised a lot of people but if you think you were the worst team uh and you like you play the game longer and you think you're gonna lose i get going for two right there trying to win it all but the, the thing was there was actually still plenty of time remaining so uh, i don't know it was, it was it was odd but bold move and cameron rising just pulling it off so bravo to him yeah uh, it's fun. potentially derailing usu's playoff hopes we'll see they still have time to you know they could still come back here but And then even like Michael Penix, man, Michael Penix and Jaden DeLora both in the same game, posting like 99th percentile efficiency marks uh, as passers. And uh, man, it was just so much just high octane, crazy, crazy football like TCU, Oklahoma State, like TCU was down at what was it? 30 to 14, something crazy like that, 30 to 16, and then ended up coming back, forcing overtime and then (laughs) and then winning the game like it was it was nonstop unbelievable action and because i was up in new york for our uh mojo college football stock market launch i i had six games on at a time oh that's uh, watching game. all of them and so <laughs> and and if i missed anything because we have like uh bunches to fight with youtube tv and everything so like I, I was able to you know have everything on my my computer have more games on another computer and then like rewind anything if, if i missed any play it was just i mean it was it was it was heaven so <laughs> i <love> it, <laughs> got man. to see basically all of it that's
2: so good. That's so good. Well, uh, why don't we go ahead and, uh, and jump into some of the risers and fallers? Um, I, I'd like to – I mean, we always kind of go through this in the same order, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and then, you know, 14 seconds on tight end. But uh, let's I – mean, You mean, you mentioned him already, uh, hand and hooker to throw in those touchdown passes. I mean, we talked about – you. We talked about him a little bit before the season got going here as kind of a dark horse guy, someone who we thought would rise. Um, maybe not to this height though. Uh, what do you think uh, the outlook on Hendon Hooker is? Do you think this past week has changed? Um, again, we're, we're for the purposes of the show, we're, we're often talking about draft capital, right? So yeah. do you think having that performance in the biggest stage, I mean, I Saw that this was the highest, um, like the most highly viewed game of the season so far. No surprise there, right? I mean, Tennessee yeah. shocking Bama, huge high scoring game. It was a fun game to watch, Who wouldn't want to watch it. But do you think having this many people watching this game, do you think this elevates Hendon Hooker, uh, his, his draft capital at all?
1: I mean, I, I think it's some, it does somewhat. Um, like if, if we we're just like talking about uh, mojo value. <laughs> right. It, it, it uh, his share price leaped like 13% on our system. Uh, so, I mean, lot, lots of people intrigued obviously by, uh, by Hendon Hooker actually going off against Alabama. And I think any singular game, when you look at the grand scheme of a quarterback's profile, I mean, like, you know, the, the good ones who play a long time and start a long time, we're talking about like, you know, 40 games or more. And so like it's one game, of, of 39 others you know and so it's like two and a half percent of their entire profile but yes it was a hugely meaningful game so yes it's going to shift their you know mean outcome and the prob- probability distribution of where they would go in, in a draft projection but um it's not like oh he's automatically a top 10 pick now and so yeah i think we you know dampen the, those level of expectations but it does seem to me right now that it's It's a, it's kind of a four quarterback race this year. Um, you know, CJ Stroud, and Bryce Young atop the list, uh, Will Levis, I'm coming around around on him, but I think some people want to have him in the top 10 overall discussion already. And then Hendon Hooker is, is working his way up into that discussion. Once you get past that QB four mark, uh, it seems like it's, it's kind of a mess. Like there's all sorts of directions you could go, but Hendon Hooker has definitely risen and, and kind of separated himself. Uh, from that that other tier of quarterback it seems.
2: Yeah, it, it it really does and I'm here for it. I think it's fun. I think it's exciting. I mean, I just like high-scoring football. So so give me give me all of Tennessee uh injected into my veins. Um another quarterback who had a, a has had a very interesting year, uh kind of riddled by injuries here and there. Um but after losing their primary receiving target uh, to the NFL last year, KJ Jefferson, do you think he's doing enough, um, this year to kind of warrant, uh, some, some NFL buzz?
1: Yeah. KJ Jefferson is a, a guy who, uh, I think the world's kind of split on right now. Uh, a lot of people, casual fans might not even be super familiar with KJ Jefferson because he's, you know, Arkansas's quarterback. But when, when you look at his profile, Uh, He's a very good rusher, like not the most efficient rusher, but he can uh, take on a lot of volume. Like he's got, I think, 90 ish carries on the season this year. Uh, And to go with like top tier elite level passing, I think it's uh, over 10 adjusted yards per pass attempt at this point. And so uh, when you look at his profile from any any lens at all, like he's got a really strong profile as a rusher and an efficient passer. Um, and he's now he's doing it without Traylon Burks to lean on this year. So KJ Jefferson seems like he's somebody who's rising up the ranks. And I mean, like I, I know some like uh, I like SEC referees personally, and they, they talk to all the coaches and the SEC uh, coaches collectively are very high on KJ Jefferson. So uh, that 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 carries weight with me. So I think he's going to probably surprise and, and go earlier in the draft than many of us might think right now.
2: What does that what does that mean? Do you think? because i i wouldn't even know i wouldn't even know what day to guess for kj as far as date draft day capital
1: well right now i think uh, the consensus would be early to day 3 um, because he's got a good enough draft to, uh, profile to be draftable but frankly it's very difficult to actually have a profile in today's nfl that says hey you deserve to go day 2 um, We've seen some very good profiles and very good quarterbacks drop to day three, uh, but I think he's kind of on that fringe right now. He's probably right there, could go day two, uh, probably you know early day three right now, but if a team likes him, uh, could sneak up into you know pick 70-ish kind of range, uh, but it, it's still hard to tell because if he finishes the way that he is going right now, uh, he's probably going to be a day two guy.
2: Okay. Um, yeah, that that, sound, that sounds interesting enough. Uh someone who, you know, it was pretty much you better you better be on this list of risers, otherwise you're going to be uh benched and we're gonna let the freshman take a shot. And that's DJ U. And he's someone that I uh I was hedging my bets on him. I, I thought, I mean we talked about him earlier this year too. I was in on DJ. I thought he would be the starter for the whole year, did not think he was gonna lose the job. Um and I've been really, really pleased to see that like my uh, bet on him. I mean, I've got him in a like a- almost every startup C2C league I'm in. I have DJU because he was going late enough. Um, so he's not putting up uh, amazing numbers um, by any stretch of the imagination. Um, he's got, you know, I mean, 17 to two touchdown to interception uh, ratio is fantastic, but he's only thrown for, you know, 1600 yards, a little more. Uh, what are your thoughts on DJU? Do you think, I mean, I'm guessing that you're not thinking he's an early, uh, early first round quarterback anymore. Like we once maybe hoped and thought um, after that, you know, freshman campaign where he came in and played a few games, but where, where are you kind of at? What's it, what's your take on DJU? Do you think um, he could continue to climb? People continue to buy in and he could get back into the the beginning of the first round?
1: Yeah, I think uh, people are really hard at uh, adjusting to new information after they've kind of been ingrained in one particular take. And last year uh, really killed DJ stock for a lot of people who just I feel casually like, watched the sport. I feel like he should be able to sue Elliot, the
2: OC there at Clemson. <laughs> and uh... <laughs> Look, man, you ruined my <laughs> life. So yeah. I almost lost my... I almost only had a Dr. Pepper
1: commercial to my name. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Seriously, though, it's just I don't... It's crazy to me, like the the lack of window dressing on that offense, and the lack of well, anything creative in that offense. Um, it's just really, really disgusting. Uh, I, I, it's almost indefensible what they're running. It uh, cleans, cleans in. So um, they just don't do anything. <laughs> like yeah. I guess I, I guess it's just it's like they're living in an alternate universe uh, offensively. Um, you know, trying to run an offense that, that was working for them a decade less ago. Uh, but man, it's just, I cannot imagine like how ticked uh, he's got to be. Like just simple things like the, the percentage of the time that they actually run play action or any pre snap motion. There's just not a lot of schematic help for DJ. Like he, he's below average in pre snap motion marks and uh, play action, things like that, that kind of help. Uh, even like screen usage, like they, they kind of go to, um, you know, Antonio Williams every once in a while, but like just really. Hard decisions uh, from like passing concept purposes, and so, but even so, he's like he's like okay, I don't care. I'm just gonna put my head down and uh, chuck the ball w- with incredible accuracy. Uh, one thing I learned uh, here recently is that NFL teams actually do care about uh, pro football, <laughs> pro football focus, uh, regardless of whatever we want to say about um, you know like their grades and and those being kind of hard to comprehend as they well frankly objectively are uh like th- there are key advanced stats that that mean a lot to nfl teams and so turnover worthy plays uh that's one that kind of comes up uh, a lot in conversation with analytics departments and things like that and um it's funny to me uh that uh, you know we we kind of like just looked at dju's like eight out last year and uh, how he kind of basically fell apart after the georgia game and thought oh he's like He's just not even the same guy. He can't throw deep or anything like that. He's thrown the ball like there have been like forty-two pass attempts, uh, twenty-plus yards downfield, and he has zero turnover-worthy plays on those attempts. That's amazing. Year. I mean, it's incredible. Especially like his, he struggled with. If
2: I, I'm not looking at his numbers right now, but. If I recall last year, the, the interceptions went way up and that was a yes. pretty big concern. So seeing that adjustment seems like a, a pretty significant uh Yeah, his decision
1: making is so much better and his wide receiver core is not really that much better other than the fact that they just added a, well, a speedster who can actually separate a little bit on his own in Antonio Williams, uh, their true freshman who was already their clear wide receiver one uh, and by the end of the season probably puts up some really bonkers numbers for them. That's huge. Uh, So it helps that he has at least one guy that's not, uh, you know, a six foot four tree that can't separate. So that probably helps a little bit, but he's also just clearly a a much different player, uh, much more comfortable in the pocket. And I think uh, as much as, um, you know, he hasn't actually had, you know, the crazy numbers because he hasn't, uh, you know, really passed as much. uh, He's just really comfortable and confident when they ask him to run, when they scheme runs for him, he just loves getting into that clearly. Like he just, (laughs) will. And, you know, long term, you don't want to see them do that that much. But I mean, he doesn't mind just like three yards in a cloud of dust, knock over a linebacker and get five yards. You know, like it's not pretty, uh, but uh, it's almost like that aspect of the game. has just kind of helped him just get into football mode or something. I don't know. What to, I don't know how to quantify that. Um, but it, it's been a lot of fun to see his improvement. And it's incredible because he's be- become one of the best deep ball passers in the game this year. So. Right now, QB5-ish maybe, but uh, he's rising. So if Clemson makes a playoff, like, holy cow. Like, he's right back in it.
2: Yeah, I want to kind of pivot. I'm going to move off the show sheet here and throw a name at you because I'm curious where you have him. I've been pretty low on him, but according to uh, Mel Kuyper Jr., he's the number two quarterback in this class, and I'm talking about Kentucky's own Will Levis. Um, I'm way way down on him i don't think he will be a good call i mean i don't think he'll be a good professional football player at all uh where are you on this uh kind of curious to see your stand i don't think we've other than making jokes about him eating banana peels and putting mayonnaise in his coffee i don't think we talk about him much
1: so i'm coming around on him just because he's he has shown uh key improvements in terms of just his overall advanced metric profile uh, it's definitely the weakest among the ones, uh, you know, being considered for early draft capital. But he's not so, actually going number two, is he? Like, that's ridiculous, right? I mean, that that is ridiculous, but the NFL has done more ridiculous things.
2: Um, <laughs> but yeah, but, maybe and, I'm ridiculous for thinking that people will uh, use... Logic and sound reasoning when making draft selections.
1: Yeah, that's that's a that's a wild assumption with the yeah. NFL, especially Although have, being a Jacksonville fan. <laughs> yeah, they have actually gotten a whole lot better, uh, thanks to I think uh, just a, an appreciation and, and embracing uh, advanced analytics. Uh, they have gotten better, um, but Will, Will Levis overall has gotten better too. Like prior to this year, his peak uh, passing profile. Uh, would have been like, and if he were to be a first round pick, it would have been the second weakest first round profile uh, from a passing perspective um, since 2016. Uh, the only one worse would have been Daniel Jones. Uh, Josh Allen was just ahead of him. Uh, but you know, Josh Allen broke at, at basically everyone's models. Uh, but basically, the, the, it would not have been good. And so uh, he's coming around. Uh, You know, I haven't looked at his schematic adjusted uh, scheme adjusted pass efficiency just yet uh, where that falls. But I know it's over the the 80th percentile. So that's the minimum threshold if he holds this pace uh, to see at least a two capital. But um, yeah, he's, he's still got some warts on him for sure. Some some questions I have. So it's a little odd that he's just so clearly and definitively. Oh, he's the QB two or three. It's like, man, really?
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's hard for me to stomach. Um, But I'm again, I was wrong about Josh Allen. I've said that plenty of times. Um, I wasn't a believer in him. So, I mean, I could be wrong, but I feel like I hear the nation screaming at me right now because I have not mentioned the quarterback Mm -hmm. with the most passing yards to date. And that is the man with big Penix energy. I love it when RG three says that it's like my favorite thing in the world. Uh, Michael Penix at Washington, man, he's really, I mean, they're not winning as much. It was a lot more fun when Washington was getting those uh, wins and kind of getting excited about what Penix could be. That's kind of dried up, but he's still producing. Granted, some of it's been in garbage time the last couple of weeks, but um, Penix seems to be uh, at least getting the numbers. What are your thoughts on him? Um, you know, do you think that uh, his time in Washington will kind of um, outshine what he was doing in Indiana, or do you think you know combined with what he was doing in Indiana, it's it's still good enough?
1: Combined with what he did in Indiana back in 2019, right. I think this is a fun story because 2019, and I mean, I don't know if I've talked about it on this, this podcast or not, but you know that's when he had Kalen DeBoer uh, as his offensive coordinator slash quarterbacks coach. And, you know, Kalen DeBoer left, went to Fresno State. Michael Penn has had three season-ending injuries back to back to back. And uh, and then, of course, Kalen DeBoer moves from Fresno State, uh, brings a more fun offense to Washington, and says, you know what, that Michael Pennix guy was incredible. I should go grab him. I know I've got a five-star waiting in the wings, who's a legacy kid, but I'm going to go grab Michael Pennix to be my starter from day one. Yeah, uh, So he reinstalls you know basically same offense um with better weapons than, than penix had at indiana and that was the perfect marriage because penix knows the offensive system he knows the quarterback i mean he knows the the coach uh has great weapons always had the tools once he was i mean when he was really healthy so yeah he's absolutely in the mix to to get some real draft capital i, I don't think it's uh safe to say that he's anywhere near round one or round two two but uh he would be intriguing, you know, any, any time after, you know, middle around three realistically right now, probably day, day three, but he's definitely got a draftable profile at this point.
2: Yeah, that's, I think it's like you said, it's an awesome story. Um, a, a guy who's been around for, it seems like ever uh, with Chip Kelly um, in UCLA, uh, really putting a solid, solid year together. Uh, UCLA looks really, really good right now. Um, I think this uh, road game against Oregon this upcoming weekend is going to be super interesting. Uh, what do you think of Dorian Thompson Robinson? Do you think um, he's putting in enough together? Because uh, it's fun to watch. I don't know if it translates to the NFL, but uh, he's been he's been super fun, and I wouldn't say he's been a surprise. I think uh, we we kind of all like DTR, and, and we kind of were were curious about what it could look like, and maybe like is this the fifth year that he's with? With Chip Kelly, I'm not sure, but you know he's got 15 touchdowns to, to two um, interceptions. He's he's added a bunch more on the ground. Uh, thoughts on DTR?
1: Sure, I mean like it, it's always fun uh, when somebody blows up like this in like year five, and uh, especially one that back in the day we were really hyped up about because mm-hmm. he yeah. was like a, just barely missed the threshold for like a consensus five star kind of quarterback, and so we knew for a long time that the, that the talent was there. And he had he's had all these starts uh, to prove himself, uh, but it's a little odd that you know it's it's this late of a breakout where he's really having a you know Heisman esque kind of season. Like he's way up there in, in the betting odds for Heisman right now. Um, but I think it's it's really boosted by the fact that his average of the target is like below six yards. Like it's a bunch of quick stuff, and like he's and a lot of it's a Charbonnet too. Yeah, it, it is. It's to, it's to running backs. It's to um, you, know, you know, yak receivers that are they're really kind of helping his profile. Um, And so part of it is that their personnel really called for that because, you know, they lost, uh, what's his face, Kyle Phillips. They lost uh, Greg Dulcich, They lost um, a couple other pieces. They've got transfer receivers in, uh, younger receiving options in. And so they're having to lean on uh, different guys and just kind of go underneath quite a bit more. And so that's not really all on Dorian Thompson Robinson. It's just like they they understand their personnel and so they know where they can win. And so they're targeting more underneath. That doesn't mean that he can't pass and he can't pass deep. It's just that that's not what he's that's not what he's done this year. It's not um, what he's being
2: asked to do, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So I think um, I, I'm not really raising his stock too much. Well, I mean, I you know, like Mojo, like I'm not, I'm not doing that anyway, but like, you know, it's just, <laughs> yeah, I know uh, what you mean. No, Yeah. But it's just, I think he's probably good enough to get drafted at this point. It seems that way. Um, but it's really hard to tell. hard to get a read on, on how the NFL will value that. Cause like I I asked, uh, uh, I think I mentioned this on the last week's show, like talk, talking through some things with some analytic staff on NFL teams and um, got some great feedback and learned a whole lot. And uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson was one that actually got brought up when I asked the age question. It's like, well, where would they have been drafted last year? Like that, that, that is a question that real you know, real NFL teams, not just us fantasy people ask ourselves. Interesting. Yeah. So um, I think that speaks volumes.
2: Yeah. Let's um. actually uh, just give me a couple other names of, of guys that you kind of see um, in your own perspective, some some rising quarterbacks, and then uh, maybe give me a couple of guys that uh, the opposite, little little bit of a a dip in their value, some some concerns sure. you might have.
1: Yeah, and then we'll move on to running back. But uh, Max Duggan has been basically good, so good that like if you put most of his efficiency metrics into R and try to like make some kind of fun visual, um, he's literally off the charts. Because in order <laughs> to get like all the names and logos in in a way that it looks right. Uh, you, have, you don't have to zoom out too far to even fit Duggan on the map. That's amazing. Uh, and so it's, yeah, it, it is. And so he and Hinden Hooker, a couple of the guys have been just off the charts good. Oh, I love and, it
2: for Duggan too, because like, we didn't think he was going to be the starter for TCU. You know, right, I mean,
1: I, mean, right. I didn't and think man, he was Man, he shut be. that up. He yeah. shut that up so fast. Like, oh my gosh. And so a lot of it, again, it's it's been assisted by by jump balls from Quentin Johnston in recent weeks. It's been assisted for uh, you know, he's been assisted by some uh, uh, productive running back play and uh, uh, yak from the wide receiver position. We can nitpick for sure with him, but uh, he doesn't have the the deepest a dot himself. Um, it's definitely below average, but. Still, he's just been really fun to watch and he he has that dual threat going for him. Yeah. I was gonna say
2: he'll he'll hit that rushing the rushing mark that you that you like to see.
1: Um, yeah oh easy easy he's gonna be way up there on the rushing looks, yard market share he looks hilarious
2: season. doing it but i'm here for it the arm pumps are just spectacular <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. i forget which game it was um i think it was like two weeks ago maybe against oklahoma state or baylor i don't remember but mm-hmm. he he broke off that long touchdown run and it was just fantastic i've been using him so much in dfs and he's finally the price is catching up um yeah but, uh, he he's been he's been super fun um yeah. real quick he, I, go ahead um do you think, um, because Quentin Johnston is someone that would have been a faller for me? And we'll talk about wide receivers in a little bit. Yeah. But you mentioned like these last couple of weeks, man. Quentin Johnston has been awesome. It's interesting to see that Duggan was able to be successful even without QJ for a while. I don't know if QJ mm-hmm. is a nickname that others use, but I do. He's just cute and-, <laughs> and I like it. Um, but it's been cool seeing that he can do mm-hmm. it both ways, really highlighting one receiver, but then also, um, Finding guys like uh Darius Davis and, and others as well.
1: Yeah, it really has been impressive because he doesn't he, he doesn't have to just go to one guy. And TCU has a really odd wide receiver rotation as is. Like they got they got like six or seven guys that see the field here and there. So uh frustrating for for DFS purposes, yes. uh, but uh, still fun uh for potential. Uh, options in the future I mean besides Q there's there's some intriguing guys after he's gone that could break out but that's probably its own podcast right there but yes I mean averaging like over six yards for carry like he and Cameron Rising another riser
0: yes. uh, I mean it.
1: they both have been incredibly efficient um, I don't typically use like EPA per play with rushing because it it doesn't really mean much I mean like I would love uh, my rushers to be efficient but uh, you know, typically, I just want somebody that can actually hold up through a bunch of volume for as a rusher. And both of them can do that, too. So uh, rising uh, has been rising up some draft awards. I think he's he's uh, not perfect and he's not the most efficient passer, but he's going to have a decent profile as well. So both of those guys are going to be you know good enough to get drafted. Uh, I just don't know where and when like what, what a team actually does there. And it's it's just crazy because this year has so many quarterbacks. I think, that are good enough to be drafted. If you look at their, you know, peak uh, passing profiles, uh, mobility thresholds, and the fact that almost half of all of FBS has a quarterback that's in year five or beyond in their career. Like right, I right. since high school makes this draft class, uh, thanks to that extra COVID year of eligibility with a bunch of people returning that probably wouldn't have. It makes it the most bizarre, deep quarterback group I've ever seen. Like not that they're a bunch of future NFL starters, but they're a bunch of really stinking good quarterbacks.
2: Oh yeah, for sure. And and I think that kind of plays into like when we talk about a couple of intriguing underclassmen, um, how few like true freshmen we're seeing out there. Like if you look at the two, four, seven sports recruiting board, and you just try to find your first starting quarterback, you need to scroll down all the way to like number 23 uh, and, and you get a surprising name of AJ Swan for, for Vanderbilt uh, yeah. is one of the, who, by the way, eight touchdowns, zero interceptions. That's pretty awesome for Vandy. Um, yeah. And uh, really had Ole Miss on the ropes for a minute there with uh shepherd, but like we haven't seen because we've seen so many of these like fifth year guys playing. We haven't seen very many freshmen get opportunities uh, just no. yet.
1: I mean, like Owen McCown at Colorado is the only other Power Five one who's like seen real starts. <laughs> like that's, I mean, that's that's crazy. Like we normally see at least a few others, but this is just the oldest group of quarterbacks we've really ever seen in college football, just because of the pandemic and everything that that happened uh, with that affecting eligibility. But a few followers just to make notes: Malik Cunningham. I was higher on him. He is uh, struggling to stay healthy and having his worst year. Do you uh, think so, it's a health related thing, or do you think there's more to the story there? Well, I think he lost all his wide receivers too. Like he he yeah. had to. Oh, you speaking
2: know, of wide receivers, from Tutu Atwell had a, had a, a sighting in the NFL last. Oh time. my gosh!
1: <laughs> oh my gosh! Let's just edit that part out because like that means so little at this point. Oh my gosh! Oh man. But Malik Cunningham, I mean, he lost uh, what Jordan Watkins um, and Tyler Harrell, uh, who were very speedy, uh, create, created their own separation. Tyler Hudson. Came in from what was it, uh, central Arkansas State, I think the, the, the transfer from the F- FCS level, and he's been his best option. And then his tight end, Marshawn Ford, but man, he's just got a, a weapons problem. Uh, mm-hmm. so uh, the health, the weapons issue, uh, it's just been kind of gross for Malik. So sorry to say, he's probably at this point, it's it's gonna be rough, uh, unless he can really bounce back. His rushing efficiency is as good as ever, uh, but man, it, it, it's just an odd projection at this point because his peak is so good but i don't know what the I, nfl is gonna think so yeah. yeah
2: i i almost feel like he'll be an undrafted free agent for a scheme fit somewhere you know uh someone mm-hmm. with a that that can yeah i mean it's it's maybe too easy because of lamar jackson being at the same school but baltimore you know uh having a a, a run game like they do maybe getting malik as a udfa but yeah anyway. i think in most
1: years he's drafted but I'm not sure now. So yeah. uh, Talia Tungabaloa uh, dinged, up, dinged up last week. A lot of people thought it was a very serious injury. I don't think we know the fullest extent to his injury, but he re-aggravated an uh, issue uh, from earlier this year. So he's already struggling. His weapon's not doing what they typically do either. And so uh, Tua, his little brother, uh, you know, he's probably going to have to return again. And so probably not going to be drafted next year probably comes back to school uh but uh yeah any any words on him because i mean i don't even want to talk about the wide receivers they're gross well i, I mean i would just looked down the sheet
2: and noticed that uh rakeem jarrett and and demas are um then not on your followers list but that might be because they've fallen so far they no longer exist yeah. in your mind yeah, they, they
1: don't they don't exist until further notice like they're just <laughs> yeah. they're it's been, off.
2: i mean it's been a it's been it's been quite a fall from grace and then of course uh Tanner McKee is a guy who neither one of us was really high on uh Stanford having a run. I mean they did, just get a, a W I suppose, but uh Tanner McKee has been I mean, I didn't have high expectations anyway, but I know a lot of people did and there there was talk about him being a first round draft pick at one point. Yeah, not and, by and, us. Not and by and us. It's but.
1: funny like you say at at one point, I guess 2 weeks ago. <laughs> like people people I just mean, not for ignoring, us, no. ignoring ignoring you know, all of the evidence that we have of everything that he's ever done being incredibly mediocre. Like if you were to talk about like just his analytical profile, there isn't a single box, not one. If you squint that he checks. Uh, so, you know, he's 6'6, 230 pounds. That's, that's interesting. That's, 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 that's all. it. That's yeah. the end. There's nothing redeemable about his profile that says he's going to be a first round pick. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't get it at all. Uh, so, We'll see, but we are, you know, it's funny, I say that, and there have been lots of uh, people interested, based on a couple, uh, you know, inappropriate, written, inappropriately written articles, I think it's made some people confident with, with Tanner McKee, and so it'll be interesting, just to see how that how that goes, I mean, I don't know, but I don't know.
2: It has made me some money, because people have, like, because, like, the line is just inappropriate on Stanford, because people think, oh, they've got a great quarterback, so they'll be able to stick in this game and they can't like they're a bad team and he's not a very good quarterback. Yeah. Um, Let's talk about some intriguing underclassmen because I want to talk about Drake may for the rest of the podcast. We won't, but I'd (laughs) like to Um, dude is phenomenal. I mean um, I think um, wispy and i Matt Matt, when Matt and I were talking two weeks ago and he has him in his like top three or four uh, college football quarterbacks right now. You said Drake may. Yeah.
1: Well, he is one of only two quarterbacks with twenty four touchdown passes this year. Uh, CJ Stroud is C. the yeah. yeah, CJ the other one. And by the way, do you know that <laughs> CJ Stroud's touchdown percentage is fifteen percent right now? He <laughs> he has, has twenty four touchdowns. On 160 pass attempts. How many do you think you'd have with that wide receiver core, though? <laughs> like, I would have zero because I have a bum shoulder.
2: because <laughs> no, you would you would do the uh, the the jet sweep thing where they pass it forward at the okay, line. Okay, you of know what? I'd have two,
1: two or three because yeah one of because uh, like yeah would take it to the house yeah. yeah that's fine just boost my stats up a little bit uh, man but no it would not be great by the way um, yeah anyway. It, <laughs> But Drake may May, though. Uh, Yeah. He's been really fun. Uh, I mean, by every measure that you could possibly imagine, he's been incredibly efficient. And uh, so there are a bunch of people that are in his camp that believe he is one of the best passers already in the league. I mean, when you look at his adjusted yards per attempt over 11 in his first uh, season, I mean, that's, that's nuts. Only, only more efficient passers uh, by the most basic measures, R.C.J. Stroud, Hendon Hooker, and then Grayson McCall because they run basically like a triple option passing offense that boosts his efficiency like crazy.
2: And I think with Drake May, it's interesting too. Like we talk about um, like what kind of weapons Ohio State has. Uh, Yeah, Drake May's got Josh Downs, but Josh Downs has missed a couple games. Um, And then he's got a lot of ancillary pieces, fine pieces, but no one like spectacular. Um, He's doing a great job. of reading defenses, getting the ball delivered to where it needs to be, it probably helps that their defense is so terrible that they have to throw a, a million times a game and try to keep up. <laughs> they they uh, do. But so, uh, yeah. I, I've, I've really enjoyed Drake May uh, so far. He's He's been uh, definitely, as far as um, kind of new starting quarterbacks, uh, one of my favorites. Someone that's been um, interesting, and I've been a little disappointed. I think the numbers have been decent, but um, just I watch a lot of Ole Miss. And Jackson Dart, uh, looks like a questionable decision maker at times to me.
1: Well, well yeah, that, that, that shows up based on his just his touchdown and interception rate, which is what right. 11 to six so far this year. Like that's just kind of, he's just like that crazy mobile gunslinger. That's just going to try to fit it anywhere. And, uh, that's fun, but I, I am interested just to see in this era, like what the NFL thinks of that kind of, that kind of player, um, because, I mean, he's probably, what, QB3 or 4-ish projected right now for 2024 behind Caleb Williams, Drake May, uh, maybe J.J. McCarthy. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, he, he's just such a, a, a dual-threat quarterback that fits the perfect game, the modern game perfectly. But that uh, turnover, turnover thing that needs to get cleaned up.
2: Yeah. Uh, who are some other uh, underclassmen that
1: you like? We mentioned, well, I mean, AJ,
2: we mentioned A.J. Swan. Believe it or not, then...
1: I, I like that Caleb Williams guy for USC. Yeah. yeah. I think he's going to be good. I, mean, I think... He he just seems like he could be better than any other quarterback in college football. Like it's, 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 he's magical. Like it's just the some of the things that he does, uh, it shouldn't be possible. Like he, and he just makes it look so easy. Uh, just you know, and you know, spinning off, you know, tacklers and stuff like that, and then throwing off balance and just getting absurd completions just makes it look also smooth. So, yeah, looking kind of high on him. Yeah. J.J. McCarthy, I think, is probably top top four now at uh, quarterback, even though he's not having to do a whole lot. Pretty underwhelming because of that run game, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, but, you know, as he was quoted know- in saying, like, if we're going to put up, like, 400 rushing yards or whatever against the, the 10th-ranked team, I'll, I'll, I'll ride along for that, uh, you, you know, all, do all day. You, do you
2: think – because it's hard to me. Is Harbaugh holding him back, or Absolutely. does Harbaugh oh, yes. know what he is and therefore is adjusting his
1: play calling? I think I think Har- Harbaugh loves him. Uh, he's a super efficient passer. To be honest, it's just uh, he had, he wasn't perfect uh, the last couple weeks. But I mean, uh, they're just super committed to the run game, when and they Blake understand Corham that they have Blake and Edwards. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That are two in the offensive line that is, is good. At creating uh, holes in the run game too, on top of having two good backs, so they're just gonna go with what's working, and they don't. If you do that, you don't have to show a bunch of the cards for what for the games that really matter later on too, mm. like the, the, that are most important. Like once you got a lead, why why, why have JJ McCarthy check it forty times? You do don't you need think,
2: to. Do you think he can? Do you think Michigan can be successful um, if they need if they like Ohio State's gonna be? A, it's gonna you, you better show up and be ready to score some points. Do you think JJ yeah. McCarthy can keep up? Uh, yeah, I do. I do. Okay. Well,
1: nice. So,
2: you you've got a nice uh, little interesting name here that I wasn't expecting to see, um, because I've not seen him uh, take a snap yet. Uh, Connor Wegman, um, quarterback Texas A&M.
1: Yes. So Connor Wegman, um, I believe is going to start this weekend. Uh, that's not official yet. Uh, it's been back and forth with Haynes King, but the teammates. Uh, his teammates are really confident in him. Uh, even the fellow quarterbacks on the team are very confident in him. There's, um, you know, Haynes King is apparently healthy, uh, but uh, there's been a lot of non-committal noise from, you know, whether Haynes King or Connor what, what whatever that's going to happen. And so it seems to me that, that this is probably the week to do it, uh, coming off a, a bye and, um, you know, and and just giving him a shot, just seeing what he has because the team and the season – it's it's not over. A uh, coach would never say that, but it's definitely not what they wanted it to be. Right. So you know, let's get some of the top overall recruiting class in college football history out on the field. How about it? You know. So Connor Wagman, if he does start this week, um, there's a good chance he's the best quarterback immediately. There. I mean, given what we've seen so far, and that probably means great things for Devin Hain, for Evan Stewart, the, the other true freshman, their wide receiver, that the, the five star kind of. Wide receiver there uh, for all the weapons on that offense. Connor Wagman could mean good things because I think he has the highest upside and the best ability of any quarterback on that roster. So true freshman, um, you know, high expectations. So we'll see.
2: Yeah, and they uh, they are three-point favorites on the road to South Carolina. So that'd be, uh, be kind of a fun place. I uh, mean, the, the total in that game is 44 and a half. Um, Interesting, interesting. We're not here to talk about that, though. Uh, <laughs> we have been going about forty-three minutes uh, on on quarterbacks here. Uh, why? Anyone else you want to hit on before we uh, hit, hit hit the break and uh, kind of uh, move on? Uh,
1: no, I don't think so. Because I mean, the, the, the other positions are a little bit more easy to talk about. Quarterback is just—it's such a complicated. Complex probably is the better word, a position. And that's where I've been living in the, the past month or so. Like, I mean, the, the player pool at Mojo's got 120 quarterbacks. So that, that's kind of where my mind has been.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's hit the break. And then on the other side, we'll uh, we'll hit running backs.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
2: And we are back talking risers, fallers, kind of a mid-season check-in here. We just got through the quarterback position. Um, it's always fun when we can talk about Hendon Hooker and Drake May. But let's move on to uh, to the running backs. And, and we already mentioned this guy, Blake Corum, um, just continues to put up numbers week after week. I mean, uh, I, I feel silly when I don't have him in a DFS lineup, if it's a cash lineup at this point, because he just doesn't matter how good the, the, the defense is. The man is just balling out. So curious to hear your thoughts on Blake Corum uh, getting it done. Not so much uh, receiving the ball, uh, catching the ball all that much, but um his, uh his rushing numbers are are, 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 pretty dumb.
1: Yeah, it's been pretty fun to watch, but I, I did laugh out loud for a good 30 seconds uh, when I saw the release, like the updated Heisman odds and Blake Corum was on the sheet. Um, Cause I, it's a quarterback award. And so it's just hilarious. Like tr- seeing anyone try to make any argument that there's any chance, like even like a 1% chance that Blake Quorum is going to win. He's like, like third or fourth with most books right now. Like, yeah, that's crazy. Like plus 1200. Like you realize I
2: mean, dude does that, have 913 right now, but yeah.
1: Yeah. dude. Like, okay. That, but that's like fourth in terms <laughs> of yards from scrimmage. And the only right. reason he's on the list is because he got a bunch of touchdowns. Like, bro, Right. come on. Like, just just no. So, um, it's not happening. It is a zero percent chance. You are burning money uh betting that that Heisman card. But that's unrelated to what we care about, I guess. Um Blake Quorum is a very good running back. He's a little undersized, very fast, very shifty. We always knew that his upside was, you know, day two ish kind of range, and that's what he's really looking like he could be a day two pick now.
2: Yeah. Um I've been I've been really uh I mean, I have a lot of Blake Quorum in a C to C and Debbie league. So very happy to see that dude who, um, man, I've, I've questioned a few times this year, especially with the KJ Jefferson injuries. I I thought maybe defenses would be able to hone in on rocket Sanders, but he has been phenomenal. He's got, uh, you know, over 800 yards, seven touchdowns already on the year. I know he's a guy that you like quite a bit too. Um, What are your thoughts on him? And do you think, uh, do you think he could be, uh, anything special again? You know, only a sophomore, only a sophomore. So, yeah. um, kind of going to that, uh, underclassman. We'll just jump around a little bit here.
1: Raheem Sanders might just be the running back one for 2024. Oof. I got like Trevion Henderson is very good. Braylon, Braylon Braylon Allen is very good. Uh, Braylon Allen, a little bit stronger, a little bit bigger. Trevion Henderson, a little bit smaller, a little bit faster shiftier. Uh, but Raheem Sanders is kind of like the perfect marriage of the two and he could end up with the most yards from scrimmage in the entire country this year uh, as a true sophomore and so that happens he's definitely looking like a a top 50 overall pick in the NFL draft uh, and pretty safely so
2: yeah and I mean probably he you could actually get a lot of value on on him uh, this this preseason in in leagues but I'm guessing now um, no way. probably a little, probably a little late to try to buy in,
1: <laughs> but yeah, uh, I, I, like, to be honest, like I'm, I'm fine buying high right now. Cause it's probably not high right now, mm-hmm. you know? So, well, I mean, if you see that running back one in the,
2: as a potential outcome, then yeah. I mean, you're probably not having to pay that price at this point.
1: Yeah. I mean, there are people, I mean, this is two years out as opposed to one year out, but right. I was just on a, another show yesterday, uh, where, uh, you know, Kane, I don't know if you know, know Kane Fassell, Yeah, uh, but he actually uh, he was talking about how he would just trade Bijan Robinson for literally any NFL running back, or the other way around, rather trade any NFL running back for Bijan Robinson because to him, Bijan Robinson Robinson it's is today the running back one in the NFL, and he's not even to the NFL yet. And so there are people that believe uh, like that, and, and that. I think next year whoever that clear running back one is is going to be similarly valued in debbie leagues and uh and not that long after uh for rookie drafts so uh whoever the running back one is in any given class uh their value is crazy uh this year is bree hall Breece hall and he's already working his way up into hey is, is he the running back one overall for dynasty and it's like six weeks or, or whatever into his nfl career right uh, so that that potential for these early guys that There's just so much desire to have that elite level rookie right away. And so Raheem Sanders looks like he's going to be that dude.
2: I like it. I'm here for it. Um, uh, Running back that not many people kind of, you know, wasn't on many people's radar going into the year because uh, no one gets many eyes on Illinois, Big Ten football, Um, you know, outside of Ohio State, people kind of tune out unless Michigan's having an up year. But uh, Chase Brown currently leads the nation in, in rush yards and uh looks really good and and he's a key focal point of this offense and um really is putting together a a pretty complete season i mean of course you'd like to see more touchdowns but a lot of that's not on him uh pretty um i mean now that a quarterback's injured too uh but chase brown is a a a player that people need to become familiar with because he is draft eligible and he is going to get some some sort of capital what do you think it will be do you think it's going to be enough to uh Like, is he someone that we should be interested in trying to acquire at this point?
1: He's going to be like one of the fan favorite day three picks, you know, like he's going to put up crazy numbers, going to finish top five in the nation in yards from scrimmage uh, basically no matter what at this point. Uh, So he's going to get drafted uh, at some point day three, and he's going to probably test out at the combine, at least interesting, you know, not, he's not going to be an elite athlete. Uh, but there's going to be a lot of people that's, uh, you know, especially film grinders that really love right. Chase Brown. And so I think knowing where his stock probably settles, um, you know, you're going to want to try to go get him in college. He not leagues, so debbie leagues. He's probably not really rostered, but uh, he is in, in, intriguing for sure.
2: Another dude wearing orange and blue uh, that not many people know too much about is one Sean Tucker. Um, Syracuse offense has has really taken a, uh, a step forward this year with, with uh, Robert and I coming in from Virginia and now Virginia doesn't know how to score or doesn't want to <laughs> score. I'm not
1: sure what, but yeah, I don't it. think they want to.
2: Yeah. So Sean Tucker in Syracuse, super fun, big focal point. Him and Schrader are, are awful fun to watch. Um, and uh, Tucker has been doing really well too. And another guy again, that has been kind of not a household name because he plays in upstate New York. I think that's where Syracuse is. Um, yeah. <laughs> what are your thoughts on, uh, on him? And then give me a couple of your other favorite guys uh, that you're kind of keeping an eye on.
1: Yeah, I mean, Sean Tucker is, is not going to ever uh, be the most efficient back because he plays for Syracuse. But uh, Garrett Schrader has been good for them, at quarterback, and so that's helped him uh, maintain some level of production this year. He's not going to uh, post the same crazy, crazy numbers maybe that he did a, a year ago, uh, most likely. But uh, what he's done is really prove that he's a fantastic pass catching back this year too. Uh, he did that before, but it looks, it looks like he's on a pace to have like almost 50 catches on the year, which is crazy for a running back. So I think at this point where I was not completely sold on him being the safest day two projection coming into the year, I thought he was most likely his mean mean outcome probably lived in day two somewhere, but there was a chance he fell. I, I, I feel pretty confident suggesting that he's going to be somewhere on day two at this point.
2: Yeah, I'm right there with you. I I think he's he's really, really good. And uh, one of my favorite, um, and we've been talking a little bit about um, kind of uh, production and and measurables, but uh, one of the dudes who I think is going to skyrocket once he hits, uh, if he participates in the combine, uh, just because he's a freak athlete, is Zach Charbonnet. And he's been putting together some highlight reel uh, video as well, or tape, I think we call it. Thoughts on him again, uh just like DTR, this this UCLA offense has been super fun. Big test coming up against my Oregon Ducks. I'm on UCLA plus six and a half, but a large part of that is because Charbonnet is just uh just incredible.
1: Yeah, Charbonnet uh it, it's good that he transferred out of Michigan, went to UCLA right. where he could feature, and uh now he, he's really just looking really good so uh what uh, like almost eight yards for touch this year which is in terms of uh, you know adequate sample running backs that's basically behind only I think Jameer Gibbs uh, so on the year so he's having a crazy crazy good year so th- this running back class uh, I know that guys like Zach Evans because of the split with Quinton Judkins and Tank Bigsby because Auburn's a dumpster fire and Devin a chain because texas a&m has been a dumpster fire like there have been a few of the top names that have kind of fallen off but there's been so many guys who have really impressed that the running back class is still in great hands uh to yeah. be one of the better classes we've seen in the past decade
2: yeah no, know it, it it really is um awful awful fun and yeah like i mean we didn't even barely talk about jameer gibbs and and he's balling out and um Eric Gray, uh, who many people last year had as like a really, really high RB, um, and then he kind of had a rough season. Kennedy Brooks kind of stole his job, and now uh, we see him putting up decent numbers at Oklahoma. Oklahoma scoring a lot. Again, they can't stop anyone. And I think uh, – oh, I wonder. Let me ask you instead of uh, giving my opinion. Uh, do you think Oklahoma struggles um, like per, from a per, like the, the perception of what their team is Will hurt Eric Gray. I mean, he's the, like from what I'm looking at here, like the 13th leading rusher in the country right now. Um, so so he's he's being productive enough, and that's with fewer than a a, a hundred carries on the year. So super efficient. Um, what are your thoughts on Gray? Do you think he can get some draft capital after going yeah. down on him last year?
1: I mean, it's a new it's a new system, right? It's not the 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 Lincoln Riley system, but it wasn't. I think that did hurt the running backs before. Because, like, Ramondre Stevenson, I remember how he finished his final year. Right. uh, You know, almost, like, 900 yards from scrimmage, I think, in six games. Um, And even he failed to, you know, really scrape any hope at at day two capital. Um, And then Kennedy Brooks, who basically had three, I think, 1100-yard seasons for Oklahoma, you know, spread out because, you know, he had the year off. But – and he was an undrafted free agent. And so I think that definitely – uh, whatever system they were running kind of hurt things because they ran against really empty boxes quite all quite quite a bit. Uh, during Lincoln Riley's tenure they they had different uh, uh, strategies, but they ran a bunch of ten personnel just wide open with the box is like five guys uh, right. defender wise. and so it's really hard to uh, identify it. are the yards here just because he's running a, a, at a box of like five max six defenders all day or is it because he's actually good? And so that's probably artificially inflating the uh, efficiency for Eric Gray. Like he's seven yards a carry or something? Yeah, like over seven yards a carry is probably not just because he's that good. Uh, so he is definitely alive. <laughs> like there's a, there's a chance he has a decent draft capital. Uh, but he's also not like a feature huge sized guy as well. Uh, he's going to go earlier than, well, undrafted uh, like Kennedy Brooks did last year. Uh, but I'm, I'm not sure what the ceiling is with him, but he's definitely rising because he, he was he was super high last year. Then we left him for dead. Now he's all of a sudden in the Mexican. So that good, good is good for uh, good for Eric Gray.
2: Yeah, no, uh, for sure. A couple of freshmen that uh, we we've talked about Judkins a little bit, but we haven't hit on uh, Penn State's Nick Singleton um, or even. Um, uh, Jaden Ott out at Cal, and then um, C.J. Donaldson, West Virginia. I believe um, that's—is that correct? He's coming off a concussion. I don't even know if he's going to be able to play this week. Um, I do like Tony Mathis a little bit there as a backup, but um, not near the upside that, that that Donaldson has. What are your thoughts on um, on these these uh, freshmen?
1: Nick Singleton is a first round pick. It seems. I mean, like he's he is ridiculous. He's crazy are fast. Eventually, you treating
2: him would you treat him with the same kind of logic that you were talking about? with like a rocket Sanders or you'd be willing to give up the farm for him at this point?
1: Uh, it's a little bit too far out okay. uh, to me. Um, and he's slowed out a little bit, but uh, and I, he needs to learn how to be a contributing receiving option. Cause he's actually kind of screwed that up a couple of times this year, a few times this year already, but He looks like he's on a first-round track for sure. Quinn Sean Judkins looks like he's on top 50 draft capital track uh, for Ole Miss already as a true freshman, splitting carries with with Zach Evans, who is himself maybe a top 50 pick, um, you know, doing so at age like 18. So crazy for Judkins at Ole Miss. Uh, But then, yeah, CJ Donaldson, who was like technically an athlete slash tight end slash he never really even played tight end, but now he's running back. Uh, Really fun for West Virginia. Uh, you know, and he wasn't even like a highly touted recruit either. He was like barely top thousand guy. And then Jade not kind of same thing. Like I think barely top 800, top 700 type, type guy, uh, but going out to Cal and immediately being like one of the most productive running backs in the country, let alone, yeah. you know, top five productive freshmen. Um, the most productive freshmen for a few weeks there. So really, really intriguing just to see, uh, how good this, which is funny, but 2025 group of running backs That's looks crazy. already. So, um, yeah, there's a bunch of guys at the high, higher pedigree schools that are uh, looking like they're already going to be replaced next year, given uh, next year's crew. But uh, next, I will say that this is probably a little bit too nerdy, but um, next year's running back crew is not deep. And two of, the, two of the running backs are going to the same school as of today, uh, and, like in Justin Haynes and Richard Young. It looks like they're both going to Alabama. So there, <laughs> there could be some lower pedigree. Um, you know, incoming freshmen that they break out kind of similar to what we saw this year with Judkins, Donaldson, and Ott because there's only I think 8 uh running backs in the consensus top 200 right now, which is really low. Uh only 5 inside the top 100. So, um not a great running back class next year and this year it seems like it's pretty deep. So, uh could be that 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 year in the cycle where it's down in yeah. 2026. So, for those of you who care, <laughs> oh, Jesus. 3 years from next year. Yeah. <laughs> uh anyway that's that's the weeds that i live in but i love
2: it i love it i love it so much let's uh let's move over to wide receiver here uh jalen hyatt just caught another touchdown while we were talking um i think it was two actually yeah we talked about him a little bit uh we talked about quentin johnson too he started off the season so slow Mm -hmm. and then uh you could really tell a concerted effort to get him more involved these past few weeks and he has really been balling out and looking really great for TCU. Uh, Trey Palmer uh, for Nebraska just had a ridiculous game last week. Um, I, uh, I was playing the night slate and I did not have him. Therefore, I did not oh, finish. No. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what are your That's thoughts on some of these guys?
1: So, J.L. Hyatt, uh, I saw somebody say that he's uh, this year's Jamison Williams, and I was like, Heck yeah, retweet that crap, man. Yes, because mm-hmm. like we need somebody like that in a year yeah. that it, I've never seen such an such an odd year in terms of like the projected future first round guys uh, failing. Uh, you know, whether it's due to health or whether it's due to well, actually mostly health because because <laughs> it's like Josh Downs missed a couple weeks, uh, Jordan Addison's going to miss some time, uh, Keishon Boutte is coming off two ankle surgeries, uh, Quentin Johnston was an absolute zero for like five weeks and now he's magically back. Uh, J you know, JSN, Jackson, Smith and Jigba has missed time. All, yeah. all the guys, all the guys, like a hundred percent of the guys that we were projecting for first round capital next year have missed time or been absolute garbage <laughs> for uh, a few weeks at a time. And so in a year where like the top 20 producers in all of college football are a bunch of random, no name school nothings that are not going to get drafted, um, yeah, it's it's been fun to see like somebody emerge like Jalen Hyatt catching five touchdowns against Alabama. I, I haven't looked it up yet, but how many times do you think like a wide receiver, a single wide receiver, has got five re- receiving oh, no. touchdowns against Alabama? Like somebody has to have already had that stat. But That's so crazy, it, it is insane. And he's already up to ten touchdowns on the gear. Yeah, and uh, I mean like he's already got uh, you know like in terms of his important metrics like his dominator rings around thirty percent. Um, if you value weighted diamond, dominator more, it's already up to thirty-four percent. So, by the metrics, he's having a fantastic breakout year, uh, and absolutely, uh, he's in the mix for early, 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 early draft capital because I think there's going to be a couple weird ones given how gross the top options have been.
2: Well, yeah, and you 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 did mention some some kind of strange names that maybe we didn't see coming um, from random schools, and I see you rocking that Purdue hat. Uh, and Charlie Charlie Jones wants us to talk about him, and I'm, and I'm sure you do too.
1: Yeah, I mean, try, at, at some point, like one of the one of the good wide receivers from Purdue has to do something in the NFL, right? Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, Rondell, Rondell Moore, David Bell, you got my hopes up, and I, I I still am not very confident confident that it's going to be Charlie Jones, um, but he's already basically doubled his production at Iowa right. last year, <laughs> uh, like in half a season. So, bravo to him. Plugging in and just immediately being the wide receiver one for Purdue, uh, so that that's been cool to see. Uh, but he's definitely been rising because he went from completely undraftable to you know early day th- three kind of projection. Uh, so crazy to see him. But you know players like Ali Jennings, old Dominion, who struggled with drops. I'm not really excited about him. Keelan Stokes, who's like 40 years old from Tulsa. Um, you know Isaiah Winstead, East Carolina. Dante Cephas can stay. Like I'm not interested in these guys at all. Like but there are some others. Xavier
2: Hutchinson, who if he doesn't have that drop, is up over 800 yards with six touchdowns on the year. Yeah, uh, but I, I am intrigued he's not, by him. Uh, actually, I, I do like Yeah,
1: yeah. I, so, I think he he deserves some draft consideration. But I mean, like guys on the show sheet anyway. Trey Palmer, you mentioned him. Like he's just going to be uh, like all year long. He's going to be that guy. He's got that speed.
2: And NFL you mentioned speed.
1: him, you mentioned him early, early on this year as someone yeah, to keep an I, eye on. May, maybe just mentioned him in the preseason just because yeah. of some stuff that Casey Thompson had actually said, some of the coaches had said, um, I think Thompson had, had actually talked about him being the fastest wide receiver he'd ever thrown to, and he had thrown to Xavier Worthy. So yeah. uh, that was a uh, notable for sure. Uh, so Trey Palmer, I don't know what to do with him for Debbie or college again purposes, but, um, he's definitely going to get drafted probably fifth round, sixth round at this point. So um, good on him. Yeah. Uh, no, that that's super fun. Um, what, what are your
2: thoughts? Uh, I want to throw a couple of random guys who are producing that I'm just curious. Um, Cause yeah. they play for some smaller schools, but Zachary Franklin for UTSA putting together a nice year. Um, someone that uh, you know, I, 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 I've used quite a bit in, in DFS of course. And then uh, Jacob Cow- Cow- cowing uh, for Arizona. Um, do you think either of these guys um, get a little bit of action in the a- NFL? Do you think they have the opportunity to uh, put themselves in a position
1: to succeed? Jacob Cowling is like that perfect fifth round uh, option that uh, you know has like a potential Jamison Crowder career arc. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that's kind of where he probably slots in. Uh, I don't really have any interest in the UTSA guys. Um, you yeah, know they, they'll both make. Uh, you know the the draft season bowls and have a uh, hype for a second but they're sixth or seventh round kind of talents um uh, but more intriguing guys to me uh like at the uh, probably like uh you know Rashi Rice uh for SMU um uh, like he was in in my opinion he was better than Danny Gray he wasn't as fast as Danny Gray but he was better than Danny Gray as far as like being a well-rounded wide receiver and Danny Gray just had day What was around 3 capital San Francisco uh, to the 49ers you know? so that's that's something to me. Like SMU, NFL clearly loves what they have going on right now. Uh, so Rashi Rice is probably somebody who actually gets some capital when it's all said and done. He's up to you know 761 receiving yards uh, through halfway, just halfway through the season. Um, and if you care about uh, the meaningful metrics, his yards per team pass attempt like it's like up to three, which is like average for NFL wide receivers that, that get drafted is to two and a half. So three is plenty good to project NFL success. Uh, by the numbers, his dominator rating is more than adequate, well above 30%. Uh, so, yeah, Rashi Rice is a guy I'm definitely interested in. But power five guys, just other risers. Marvin Mems is finally, like, taking on some volume. Like, he's actually up to, you know, 25 26% dominator, uh, weighted dominator. Zay Flowers, Boston College, has been killing it, I guess, third year in a row now for him. And then the duo at Washington—I'm sure you see them on TV even more than I do. Right, but Rome Odunze and uh, Jalen McMillan. Uh, man, that's an awesome one-two punch that Michael Penix gets to throw to, and and both of them I think could could get drafted inside round five, four, maybe round four, and and better.
2: Yeah, and and McMillan's been like kind of a target hog, and and uh, Odunze, um, also really good. I, I like both those guys too. Um, let's, let's kind of look at some of the underclassmen here because, uh, I think this is a, r- a really, really fun group. Uh, can I start with, uh, if, one of my, uh, one of my favorites, uh, uh, is, um, I mean, who do you pick when you look at that, um, Ohio state, um, wide receiver room, uh, Mecca Egbuka is, is, is my favorite of the underclassmen. Um, but I'm happy to hear, uh, your thoughts there and just kind of, kind of walk around the league here and, uh, and tell me, um some of the guys are excited about.
1: Well, yeah, I'm like Abuka and Marvin Harrison jr. Uh, they are the truth. And yeah. so I'm really excited to see uh, what both of them uh, do at the NFL. And, and it's just fun to see Marvin Harrison. Seriously, Marvin Harrison jr. Is somehow old enough already to almost be in the league. Like he's not eligible until 2024. Uh, but what he's doing uh, is just incredible. Like already up to nine touchdown re- receptions this year. Uh, for Ohio State, Um, you know, look, looking like he's already taken up 30% of the offense there. Abuka, definitely a different kind of profile, faster shiftier, but, you know, even a better dominator kind of profile. Uh, and and with him, it's like his yards per team pass attempt, like the most meaningful, singular, you don't have to do anything to it kind of receiving metric. Uh, he's got 3.72 yards per team pass attempt, which is good for more than a half yard better than anyone else in the 2024 draft class. Uh, so that's really promising. He's looking like the uh, potential. I mean, he was he was basically the wide receiver one in his recruiting class already. So it's it's no surprise. It's not like oh my gosh, where would he come from? Oh, uh, nice. you know, so yeah, I'm really excited for both of those guys. Uh, but now that uh, Jordan Addison is going to be dinged up, not 100 percent, Mario Williams in that class he's I probably like going to be lot. asked yeah. to step up even more so for USC. Uh, and ha- it helps having Caleb Williams as your quarterback. So yes. he could actually have a decent profile. And then of course, you know, Xavier worthy is going kind to of still uh bay forever uh, Texas. But uh, you know, those are the obvious top 2024 guys that I'm really looking forward to seeing their top 50 capital or better. Um, th- those are the safest projections for sure.
2: Yeah. What are, you, what are your thoughts on this freshman class? I was, I was excited to see what like Luther burden and Evan Stewart, who you mentioned earlier, um, was the top yeah. two guys in the class and so far i mean not too much but again you've got um is it cook uh in missouri uh throwing him the yeah football? brady cook he's
1: not not, yeah. been, then, not been great
2: no and then in texas a and we, we've talked about kind of the, their offensive struggles so do you put that more on the offenses slash quarterbacks that they're working with or is there any yeah. concern with some of the, the the top tier um top tier freshman wide receivers
1: yeah, Evan Stewart is essentially the wide receiver one for Texas A&M already, which is which is good. Uh, so, I mean, I'm not going to knock him at, at all. Like, he's uh, fighting through a gross offense and, um, you know, lots of disappointment as a whole. Uh, but he's not been bad. Like, he's not been the problem. So, I'm not, uh, not really worried about him. I think once they figure out the quarterback position, um, maybe figure out how to get the ball to wide receivers, uh, that would be good. Um, yes. But uh, yeah, he's, he's basically um, already kind of working his way into uh, a role where he's getting a lot of snaps. And so, um, yeah, I think he, he's, he's definitely somebody that I'm, I'm excited about long term still very much.
2: What about uh, Kobe Prentice, Alabama? Um, we've been wondering what was going to happen with this wide receiver room for, for, for a while now going into, I mean, last year we had questions about what was going to happen this year. We've had questions about what was going to happen. Uh, Prentice seems to be kind of carving out a nice little role for himself there. Uh, do you think that he becomes um, the, the go-to guy, the, the, the receiver you want long-term from this Alabama uh, this Alabama team? Uh,
1: so could you say that again? I'm sorry. I, we just lost, lost connection there for a sec. I think.
2: Kobe Prentice um, at Alabama. Oh, yeah, yeah. We've had a lot of questions about what to expect from the Alabama wide receiver room for, for, for two years now. Um, and, uh, and he, he seems to be carving out a role for himself.
1: Um, yeah, Kobe Prentice, uh, one of the funniest things that I saw him do was, uh, Bryce Young kind of rolling out, uh, tried to throw the ball away, uh, and, and actually,
2: Oh, well, that's <laughs> um, right. He came back and got it. Yes. He came
1: back and got it. It was like, it was going out of bounds. Kobe Prentice just high points it and gets both his feet in bounds and just <laughs> yeah, steps out like amazing. just so that was casually amazing. <laughs> making it look so easy. It's like, how in the world did you just? I, I don't even know, like I, the awareness do you have to have uh to kind of make that kind of play and to do it as a, a true freshman and to uh, basically earn a high snap percentage as a true freshman is, is Alabama no when they've got like right. like ten guys who are high pedigree guys that you're competing with for snaps and you get on the field right away. Uh, that's that's a lot of fun. So, um yeah, I, I don't know what to make of his his uh, upside. I, I think he's. Probably more of a – in the pros, maybe a, a lower snap percentage guy. But to be uh, what he is already in that offense is is a blast. So um, I think Ja'Cory Brooks is still the highest upside wide receiver on the team, and that hasn't changed. Jermaine Burton has been very mediocre. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Trayshaun Holden is still – regardless of how many targets they want to throw his way is just not a great wide receiver. Uh, Every his, time he
2: drops the ball, I just think of when you accidentally call them trash on <laughs> Uh Yeah.
1: yeah it was, it was Freudian slip that, that, yeah, he has three drops on the year already. Not great. Um, and he's, he's seeing his role kind of diminish a little bit. And Ja'Cory Brooks and Kobe Prentice are uh, taking a step beyond everybody else on the team. So really the answer is it's Kobe, Kobe Prentice, and Ja'Core Brooks that are the guys on that offense, I think, moving forward um through the air.
2: Yeah. Oh, I like that. Uh I was really worried about McMillan um for uh, Arizona uh, just because of that offense last year. But man, Jaden Delora has, uh, has has kind of pumped some life And He's already got six receiving touchdowns, almost five hundred yards receiving. Uh looks like he's off to a nice start um as yeah. well. Uh, so, any other any other um, any other receivers you want to talk about?
1: Absolutely, because this uh, freshman crew is uh, incredible. Um, I don't want I don't want to hype them up too much, but uh, Antonio Williams, uh, Clemson. I mentioned him before. Right. He is probably. I mean, I think I'm. Yeah, he's probably my wide receiver one among a fr- freshman this year. Uh, I, I was, I was not joking when I think it was August that I said Antonio Williams is going to be the Xavier Worthy of this uh, particular class. And, um, and ha- I, I didn't, you know, it, you're not going to always see that the crazy level of production that Xavier Worthy did last year, but uh, Antonio Williams is, is already that dude. Like, you know, like he's just, he's, he's that crazy high snap count and it's, and it's getting higher and higher every week. And in terms of his actually actual production, being able to, to separate um, he's had uh, you know, Tons of targets. He's actually not leading the team in the targets yet, but he's trending in that direction. 24 catches compared to the next person on the team being at 18 catches. Uh, so once he really grows up and continues to develop uh, you know that connection with DJU, I think by the en- end of the season, he could have oh, yeah. close to 1,000 yards. And so as a true freshman, that's about all you can really ask for. Uh, so, yeah, wide receiver one in this class, Antonio Williams uh you know evan stewart still very much in that mix i'd still definitely like luther burden uh, mcmillan you mentioned but barry and brown is, is, is for kentucky and Dane key for kentucky like that duo like how many times have we seen like a, right. a true freshman kentucky wide receiver duo with it to be excited about like never uh so <laughs> Barry but when, brown
2: but when kentucky's been making plays it's i feel like it's Dane key almost like he has been su- such a big play guy for them
1: um, yeah, he's been key like on some big deeper plays. Barry Brown has been like the volume play. Did you uh, hear here you recently said? I'm sorry?
2: You said Dane Key has been key for those. He guys. has been. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> I, had to, I had to point it yeah, out. I
1: mean, like Cam Rising has been rising. Yeah. And Dane Key's been key. <laughs>
2: yeah. You know? Uh, Absolutely. And, bur- and
1: Burden has been a Burden. I, I don't know. That's a stress. <laughs> uh, bur- <laughs> yeah, on your roster is so <laughs> oh, far. Yeah. We'll see. Um, but the thing is. Who do you think is leading leading the targets by the way for Kentucky right so far?
2: Oh, I have no idea.
1: No no idea, like you you can't take a guess.
2: I mean, I would guess. I mean, the only (laughs) I don't watch Kentucky because it's miserable. Okay, well, Um, well, is the only dude I see uh, making plays when I'm watching.
1: Barry Brown has 11 more targets than Dane Key. Barry Brown is a local kid. Uh, from Nashville area I'm from you know Middle oh, Tennessee. Right. I, mean, yeah. I I've lived downtown like very close to uh, not not far from where he went to uh, high school uh, for a long time a couple of years there anyway and uh, he coming up he was just this freak of an athlete uh, if, if you follow high school football around the Nashville area you knew who Barry and Brown was because teams were just like he was just a legend as a return man immediately as like a 15 year old kid um, I think he, I think it was one about one third of his kick returns and pump returns he ran back for touchdowns as a sophomore. Yeah. And basically, teams were just like, yeah, never again. We're not, we're not doing that. We're not going to kick kick you ever again. And so it was no surprise uh, that he immediately became one of the most electric return men in all of college football as a true freshman. And so he's been posting crazy uh, return stats. Uh, and on top of that. Uh, already has twenty four catches as a, as a true freshman on thirty seven targets through seven weeks, uh, as the clear wide receiver one for them uh, in terms of uh, you know target share and uh, working that way in snaps and the return. It's just he is a dynamic monster. So he's in the conversation for a wide receiver two or three or four in this class as well. So those those guys, that's probably it in terms of uh, the upside freshman. But man, uh, there's a lot to be excited about.
2: Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, let's let's take like fourteen seconds 14 on tight <laughs> end. Um, we saw Dalton Kincaid just have an absolute career game last week for Utah against USC. Definitely putting his name on the map. Um, ph- phenomenal, phenomenal game. Come, you know, stepping in for um, for the injured Cuthie. Is that how you say his name? Um, and yeah. then uh, your followers, you have uh, Jurasek from Stanford. Um, you know, we talked about Tanner McKee and Stanford's struggles already, but. Um, there, there, there's a couple of tight end names. Uh, Kincaid, do you think that he, um, is able to kind of use this opportunity to leverage himself, uh, into some draft capital?
1: Yeah, we basically had one tight end that that was seeming like he was intriguing for next year's class in terms of really early capital, like several that are like good enough to get drafted. That's fine. But, um, Kincaid seems like the obvious tight end two candidate now behind Michael Mayer for, uh, Notre Dame. So yeah, that's, that's super fun. Uh, yeah, Benjamin Yossick has, has been really, really disappointing uh, yeah. this year. Uh, so that that sucks. But Brock Bowers uh, is still the prize of all tight ends in Absolutely. college. And it's really not remotely close. <laughs> um, and so that's that's not going to change anytime soon. Um, Darnell Washington actually probably gets drafted too. That's uh, so crazy how that, that, that tight end room is dumb. I mean, it is. It's insane. But they, they both probably get drafted. Next spring, I mean, Darnell Washington's a six foot seven, two hundred and sixty pound, just monster of a man. That's, I mean, he, he it reminds me of the fact that you know, like Trey McKitty uh, for Georgia was just a really good blocker and an okay receiver. He didn't have crazy numbers at Georgia, but it was Georgia, and he was trained. You know, he, he 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 got drafted way too high, but Washington probably deserves to be drafted way too high. So I would say he he could sneak into day two as well. Uh, but Jadavion Sanders is uh, the other underclassman. Uh, That's an obvious name to throw in the mix because he was, yeah, I mean, and if if he was actually a um, rather than being like an athlete designation, if he was an app, like a tight end designation instead of an athlete designation, he would be one of the highest rated, if not the highest rated tight end prospect uh, of all time. And so uh, coming into college and so, yeah, I mean, it it makes sense that now he's he's kind of killing it. Uh, for Texas, as like the the second receiving option on the team, so and always cheap on DFS, which I love. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. But I mean, he he already has five touchdowns. Yeah, uh, like twenty eight catches. Uh, again, se- second in targets on the team. That so, OU
2: game really. I mean, he looked so good against OU. Uh, really, yeah. put, really gave him that that national spotlight that that he deserves.
1: Yeah, I think so. By the way, I think that was probably like 147 seconds, but that probably counts. <laughs> that was probably good. I think we talked about like 50 or 60 or 1,000 players on this show Yep. Uh, for the midseason checkup or check-in or whatever we want to call it. Yeah. Uh, but it's yeah, yeah, this college, is man.
2: I could talk college for another two hours, but yeah, Absolutely. it's 1.15 uh, in the morning for you. Uh, 11 15 p.m. for me so we uh we must move on but yeah man it is always good slowing down uh talking some college football with you and especially like uh with your with your new role it's it's fun getting some insight into uh kind of what you're seeing on your end as well because it uh it really does help um kind of give us a a, a bigger and, and kind of a unique insight into some of these players so definitely appreciate uh i always appreciate talking to you about football
1: Absolutely. Let's do a 24 hour marathon at one point here. Okay. Just college football,
2: nonstop. I love it. I love it. I need my second screen. (laughs) My second screen's not working tonight, so I'll definitely need that (laughs) if we go into something, (laughs) uh, some sort of madness like that. But um, thank you guys all so much for listening to the show. You can uh, do us a huge solid uh, by uh, giving us a rating and review. Um, Of course, we'll be back with you next week with uh, an NFL focused um, episode. In the meantime, uh do follow us on twitter you can find him at ff underscore travis m i'm staph Fun hit us up with any questions that you might have um of course you can find um well actually uh i'm not going to speak for you i don't know where where where's your work able to be found these days travis what are, we, has, what are you doing up what are you up to right now with uh that has narrowed i will yeah. say it's
1: been it's been uh i i definitely am going to miss like first off like Rotoviz was amazing and give me an opportunity to just have complete flexibility and control over my content, um, and allowing me to, to give me a platform to create my own predictive modeling that actually ended up helping me get this job, like that I'm working now for Mojo. Because um, a lot of people, there's a little bit of confusion, like they think I'm in like this contributor role, like that I have been for Rotoviz, but that's really not it at all. Like I'm not going to be doing a whole bunch of bunch of written stuff uh, frequently. Um, I'm I'm gonna be basically ghostwriting because uh there's a little bit of a conflict of interest with me uh like giving advice as the guy who kind of builds the pro like the pricing models for the college side to, to right. also be giving advice like, hey, I know the algorithm, so target these guys. Right, right. <laughs> um, but you know, like all the modeling experience, uh mixed in with the the analytics and business analytics and stuff that I did for my MBA. Um like it was, it was great. It just worked out and Rotoviz basically prepared me to do this full time, which was incredible. So I am uh, incredibly grateful to uh, Blair Andrews who really helped hone in my craft and helped me get, uh, get better at uh, um, just understanding the, 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 depths of uh, predictive statistical modeling. And um, yeah, so huge help there, but Sean Siegel, you know, just uh, and, and Curtis Patrick and the whole team uh, just, it's been awesome, but I'm not going to be really doing written content uh, there at all anymore keeping the podcast because like, I can't live without you um, with and, me uh, and the listeners I'm assuming you meant me but yeah I mean I mean I mean I mean, you and the <laughs> listeners too you guys are cool <laughs> but uh uh but you know solid verbal like I just shout out to them like the podcast they, they've been podcasting for like 15 years for college football stuff and yeah, they, awesome. they let me do stats work that I, I pitch stuff that, that would end up on the show they gave me my own weekly column that they're like hey man you do whatever you want to do and just make it awesome and so like that that also um helped uh me land this job and so i've, I've thanked ty and dan because like it was just it, it just completely incredibly uh, an honor and, and valuable experience to um work for them but uh, now really i'm not doing written content which is actually like as much as i'm going to miss the, the the discussions with some Rotoviz folks in that regard and i will be helping with the like rookie guide stuff for sure uh but i think uh Due to conflict of interest stuff uh, with uh, there's just, you know, getting words down in print with my name detat- yeah. attached to them with uh, players and that are in our stock market is a little weird. Um, so, yeah, so that, that's a little funky. So it really is just here uh, that you'll hear my voice. And then uh, I'm pitching a bunch of stuff to our writing team at Mojo, but you'll never know if it's me or not. So <laughs> perfect. Good luck figuring that out. Well,
2: I guess we're just going to see a huge spike in traffic then. So, if you want to listen, if you want to know what Travis is thinking, you got to come here uh, to get it. Um, of course, you can follow. Um, you can follow this podcast. We have our own feed, the college uh, to campus feed. Of course, you can also find us on the road of his main feed um, a day later, usually. But man, Travis, it's so good talking football. Um, yeah, I- I'm excited for this upcoming week. Lots of lots of in- in- intrigue. Um, I hope I'm wrong about Oregon, but I, I think UCLA pulls the upset there.
1: Yeah, I, I hope that they don't for your sake, but they're they looking pretty good right now, man. Like, yeah, I, I would definitely be scared uh, knowing that Bo Nix is my quarterback, oh, and knowing what he can do when things start looking too good. So <laughs> good uh, I'm luck. just
2: glad in this risers and fallers uh, conversation, Bo Nix uh, finally gets mentioned at a, do- a, a dollar, an hour twenty-five um so (laughs) yeah all right y'all thank you so much for listening we'll be back with you uh in a week um i have a good one enjoy all the football and um i don't know how else to sign off we'll talk to you later